you are listening to the Marketing Freaks podcast and in this week's episode, Abby returns for a chat, this time about pitching. So we're talking about some of the things that some agencies may possibly do to possibly make things look better than they might possibly be in reality. Uh, Anyway, the positive aspect of that is trying to help you make more informed and better decisions about the agencies that you work with kind of help do that we've pulled some of our favorite stories out from the pitching vaults so hope you find this one useful if not a little bit entertaining if you do please come and subscribe you can of course watch this episode on our youtube channel uh, and let's get started with the episode nice pitch shame about the service <laughs> okay, a think. line we hear a lot yeah yeah and there is a serious note to this, isn't there? In that, uh, when we're talking to potential clients or mm. you know bringing new clients on board here, and they're talking about frustrations with previous suppliers, like why they wanted to uh, make a move, all that type of stuff. Nine times out of ten, there's a frustration born from the fact that what was pitched by an agency didn't match the reality of the service. Yeah. So this episode is all about how to dig into what you're being shown in a pitch and scratch beyond the shiny slides and really try and get an understanding of what it's going to be like to work with that agency in reality day to day. Yeah. Which I think is quite, it's actually quite an important topic because a good pitch situation or a good pitch process rather is all about the brand or the client finding the best agency for them, the best fit and one that will grow and develop and nurture and um, be productive and brilliant over time. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you really have to understand what that agency is like. And not be fooled by a generic, shiny, nice pitch. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a nice pitch, but... Nothing wrong with a nice there pitch. There has to be some... Substance. Some substance to it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what things can clients do in a pitch scenario to make the best decision and get beyond what they're being shown in that environment? And I think the first one that we were going to talk about was, uh, I guess, chemistry, rapport, and getting to know the team that you're going to be working with. Yeah, I think that's a a massive thing that we've got feedback on um, when people have come to us is that, In the pitch process, they were speaking with heads of department or even maybe the owners, founders, and they never ended up being their day-to-day contact. You know, they end up being fobbed off to like a very junior person um, and not getting the level of expertise that they were expecting. Yeah. So I think in any pitch process, it's difficult to have everybody that you're going to be working with in the room for sure, but there should be at least one or two people in that room in the pitch process that will be a part of your day-to-day contacts. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, there's nothing worse than, um, we've all spoken to people before that have gone with a particular agency because of, uh, their experience and expertise and depth of experience and, all the rest of it and then you you get on board and you know get get a grad yeah Th- nothing wrong with grads but like when you've bought into experience and expertise and you get something different it's frustrating isn't it and you've also started to develop like rapport trust with that person yeah 
it, it, it's not a great start to a working relationship if you yeah. already feel like you're being palmed off. Yeah. I do think, so you look at this from an agency side and quite often, and this is no disrespect to um, people who work on accounts day to day at all, but quite often people who work on an account day to day are not the most polished presenters or salespeople because that's not their job. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. And sometimes I think agencies, there might be like a nervousness to put people in the room who aren't polished. Yeah. But actually, I think that's a really good thing because, you know, the potential client or the person that you're talking to, you can ask those day-to-day people without the polish and without the shine, you know, what they think about a certain scenario. What what would you do if you're in this camp or, mm. you know, and to get that kind of roots level in the trenches view that's not shiny and polished gives you a sense of reality. Absolutely. And I think and that's one of the ways that I think we shine as a business is that we are very much giving, like, sounds funny to say shine, but we're giving you, like, the reality. Here's what it is. Yeah. Here's what it is. Yeah. Both in, like, here's the team that you'll be with, but also in terms of here's the realistic numbers that we can offer. Yeah. Based on the information that you've given us. Yeah. So it's all realistic and transparent rather than, not hiding behind like a sales tactics, but I do feel like there is an element of that. Yeah, definitely. That, that goes on. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, next point for me is case studies. And obviously every pitch <laughs> in the world is going to have really nice case studies with really big percentage numbers in. We've got them. Our competitors have got them. You know, every agency you see within a process will have them. Mm-hmm. I think the key with case studies is asking questions and interrogating a little bit on how those numbers were arrived at, what those numbers actually mean, what time period were those numbers over, you know, all that sort of stuff. And trying to find it's the story, it's the story behind it that's, I think, the most important. Absolutely. And not just going, oh, wow, they, you know, that's a really good result. Great. Like, but actually, well, how did you get there? Like, what did you have to overcome to get that? Did you get it straight away or did you did you have a couple of failures first and then get there? Tell me about that. And mm. that, I think, is where the gold within case studies are, is a conversation around how that was arrived at. I'm always, like, super cautious if you're not given the spend amount and you're only given, like, percentage revenue increase or ROAS and it's like great I can get a fantastic ROAS if I'm spending a couple of dollars yeah you know like so it's it's those things it's like okay but what what do those numbers actually mean you got loads of revenue in but what was the actual profit of that what was the margins and what yeah. you were looking at yeah like there's so much more to it than just we increased your revenue by 110 percent that's yeah. great but if you How? started off with 10 pounds yeah, it's, it's not, actually not that impressive. Yeah. So understanding those numbers deeper yeah. and the impact that it had on that business is so much more important than just the number itself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I saw a really cynical post on LinkedIn <clears throat> yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. Uh, and it was basically saying, like, when you see like see a paid media guru post a oh, I saw screenshot on LinkedIn of like a, an amazing ROAS, don't forget that like that could be one purchase on a yeah. really low spend. Like it's so easy to tell those stories, but to kind of actually dig into it. Absolutely. Like, don't Absolutely. believe everything you see. Or don't it's not don't believe don't not believe 
question well, doing, it. Question everything, yeah, is what question I'm saying. It. Like, don't just take what you see on surface value. I um, think being in this like industry for a while as well now, there are some case studies out there that I've seen that I know are not as good and shiny as they look because I've had we've had conversations with the businesses after they've left them. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And that's definitely given me possibly more of a cynical light on it, but it's the same thing that like I will always question yeah. now if I'm seeing numbers, I'll always yeah. question the reality of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's that's fine. And it's also kind of the almost the next point on that is asking questions that might feel a bit uncomfortable. Better to feel uncomfortable for a minute asking a question than to sign a year-long contract with an agency that doesn't work. Yeah, but... <laughs> Find, finding a difficult question to ask about a case study or anything else tells you so many things because you'll see how the agency reacts. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see kind of, do they try and squirm around it and pull the wool over your eyes or try and not like go to it? Or will they, um, like, will they just tell you straight? And are they okay with being put on the spot, you know, being being a little uncomfortable like, because they'll just show you what it's like because yeah. things happen and everyone has to be able to deal with it we were in a pitch together a while ago and we were talking about um a previous project and i remember the the client we were pitching to asked us why do they leave you mm. do you remember i do i do yeah and it was like a really good question and, it, was, yeah. and it, it actually turned into a really good constructive conversation, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but ask the questions, I think, is a good thing to do. Um, if you don't know, like if, if, it, if it's not your expertise and you don't know how to dig into it more, do some, do some homework beforehand. Like go and talk to some other people who yeah. work in the industry, work in paid media and say... Yeah. What's a good question I could ask? What's something I could yep. be looking into? Yep. Or have somebody in the room that really knows that. Yeah, totally agree just with that. To, to back you up and to know what questions you're supposed to be asking. Because actually, if you're looking for an agency to work with, it's likely because you don't have the expertise in-house or the resource. So yep. find out what kind of questions you should be asking as well. Yeah. Because you, you, you don't know if you don't know. Yeah, pay a consultant a bit of money to yeah. sit in the room and ask some questions on the detail that you don't know. So get their worth opinion. It. So worth money it. Money well spent, that is, I think. Yeah. Um, the next point I had was around resource. Mm. Oh, man, that Diet Coke. <laughs> Edit that out, Hallie. Sorry. <laughs> I managed to keep it in, though. Um, yeah, resource. Mm-hmm. So, And what I mean by that is understanding how much resource you're going to get Obviously, we talked about who you're going to be working yeah. with in that. But, like, how much time are you actually going to get from your agency? And what does that split look like? Also, where you sit in the mix. So, asking questions like, um, you know, what percentage of your revenue is my fee going to make up? will tell you where you sit in the balance. And if it's a really, really, really low number, then you're probably not going to be top of the priority list. Mm. If you're too high, there's a risk that the agency is going to be too reliant on your business and that could cause challenges as well. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those questions, I think, that, again, 
does the agency even know the answer to the question? That will tell you a lot. Are they going to give you an honest answer? Are they going to give you an honest answer? Do they do they sit and squirm? Um, or, do they, or do they just, yeah, you're, you're, you'll be about 5%. You'll be about 10%. Like, yeah. Can they tell you? Can they give um, you a rough estimate? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll know kind of where you sit. And you, and it's it's human nature that businesses will prioritize the the stuff that's more valuable mm. you know and it's it's not that being a small client in a big agency is always bad but it just gives you a sense of where you sit yeah in the in the field i guess absolutely questions like that i think really good um what else have I, let me consult my my notes we're really organized here <laughs> um lots to cover referencing reality so yeah uh getting references from clients past and present yeah, I I love this. And I love that when we pitch, we offer that people can speak to ex-clients, yep. past clients, however you want to put it. Ex makes it sound like a bad breakup. Um, because I think that speaks volumes more than present clients. Because if you've stopped Definitely. working with somebody, and you can stop working with somebody... For so for many so, reasons. So many reasons. So many yeah. reasons. Um, and I do. I think it's one of the things, apart from my team, that I'm most proud of that I can hand, put my hands up and say I'd be happy for, for you to talk to, like, for anybody to talk to most of our past clients. Yeah, exactly. There's always one or two, but, you know. But that, you know, it's not not just getting references from the best, or the best of the best of accounts that have ever been worked on, but, you know, getting references from a spread, I think is good. Um, you never need that many, but just a two or three in different scenarios is always good. And when you're getting the references, asking questions about, well, you know, were they proactive? Do they come to you with ideas? You know, what are they like on a day-to-day basis? Do they do they respond quickly enough? Do mm. they, you know, what were any frustrations that you might have had and how did they deal with them? And just really trying to ask questions that dig into the, again, it's the reality of it. Isn't the day-to-day, it? because that is what you're signing up for. Yeah, yeah. I just think... It's an important step and it takes a bit of time. Uh, as an agency, it can take a bit of time to coordinate because we have to, you know, ask permission. We can't just give people's details out, obviously. <laughs> um, but it's a really valuable step and I think it's one that's really worth worth taking. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, the final point was the illusion of software. Oh, which I know this really, one makes really my... winds you up. It absolutely winds me up. It Big absolutely time. winds me up because... Why does it, Why are you so angry about this? this, is, well, this we're, and like, we're not saying... This is right, therapy couch now. Let's before go. <laughs> we, before anyone who runs a software business gets upset. No. We're, not, we're not saying all performance marketing-related software is bad and you should never, ever, ever go... Like, that's not what we're saying. There's saying. some fantastic things out there. 100% there is. And we use some of them. Like it, There are some really um, yeah. great... Great kind of tip. So what's the thing that annoys you? <laughs> the thing that annoys me, I mean, you know, how long have you got? But um, is when actually something is relatively basic, yeah. relatively straightforward, yeah. um, but it is packaged in a way that it's inaccessible. It's It's full of jargon. It's full of like techie things that people aren't going to understand to make it seem like it's so much more than it is Yeah. when the reality of it is pulling collating data and coming up with trends. Yeah. 
Like that is the reality of a lot of these things. And yeah. what I get really frustrated about <laughs> is at Overdrive, we are doing these things. We are, we have this, I don't even want to call it technology, but you know, we We've got use a lot the, of stuff in place. We use we? these processes. We pull a lot of data. We, yeah. yeah. But I think the nature of who we are as a business is we're relatively like, we want things to be accessible. We want things to be transparent. So yeah. we're not packaging things up in this way that it makes it seem We've like got something big, we haven't. fancy, shiny thing. Yeah, well, actually, it's just a Google Ads script or, yeah. a, or a Google Sheet. Exactly. Pulling so data in. We, we share that and we're very open with clients about that and they can have access to these things. But it is the same as this big shiny thing that another agency is talking about. And that's my frustration. Yeah. And they've probably it's, given it a nice name. Yes. Yes. They've all, we're like... A quirky name. A quirky, fun name. But we're like, hey, here's this thing. Here's a Google Sheet. That, here's this Google Sheet. This is how we do it. This is what we're yeah. doing. This is, And we talk yeah. people through it. Yeah. Because we're not gatekeeping that knowledge. Yeah. And it's so important to me that we're not. Yeah. Um, but that's where my frustration comes from because I feel like... There's so much jargon and crap that's thrown around, whereas yeah. actually some of these things everybody should be doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think what what you have to do, and there there are probably bits of agency software that will help. No, absolutely. Put in, my hands up to that. Yeah, multiple definitely. scenarios. Yeah. But it's when it's when a bit of proprietary agency software is being pitched as like, well, if you if you haven't got this, you're missing out, or if you if you work with us and you plug your campaigns through this software, then you're going to do a gazillion times better than you otherwise would. And I think, again, as with That's everything, yeah, with everything that we talked about on this episode, it's why? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that it does that's going to, am I going to get better performance? Um, am I going to save loads of time and therefore money on management yeah and can we do more with the time that we've got like what is it that makes this better it, or is it that i'm going to get more insights i'm going to get better data i'm going to be able to make better decisions like what is it that i, I genuinely need from this bit of software and how is it genuinely going to help me and there's there's software that saves time <clears throat> yeah there's software that gets you more insights at greater volume in a more digestible way great um and there's software that doesn't really do anything either right that so looks fancy well, on the yeah website. not that it doesn't do anything but um <laughs> the classic case in my head is software that builds audiences and optimizes audience for meta mm. and you're like well hang on a minute i can upload my database into meta and use that um meta is really good at optimizing its own audiences anyway so why does why why can your software do that better um and i've seen we've seen accounts where they've plugged that type of software in and it's just not working yeah um so i think it's just questioning it Mm. what's that going to do that's better than that and my frustration with it is, and I was actually talking to Vince, who's like our senior account manager of PPC about this. Was it goes, he getting it, angry? Oh, yeah, we both having a bit of a rage about it. Is sometimes with this software, there's a very much like turn it on, leave it approach. Yeah. So we're going to give you this amazing software. We're going to continue paying this fee. Yeah. But we're not going to be really optimizing it because actually the software is doing everything. Yeah. And 
that is not how you get the most out of your paid social or the no. most out of your PPC. There are constant iterations that are going on and changes and a lot of hard work. And I think that's where my frustration comes from is that there's not this one thing that fixes it. There's not this, no. this thing that sees into the future and tells you what's going on no. and exactly what ad you should be running. Yeah. And that's my, that's my, the, the depth of my frustration alongside it's going to actual ROAS by this much because honestly, the reality is it, it doesn't yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, software just can't, the, the stuff it can do and the stuff it can't do. And I think it's just really trying to not getting bamboozled by it. Mm, not, not, not getting pulled into the shininess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's just question. Basically, what we're saying is question everything. Yeah, absolutely. And see what the response is. And if you're not sure, dig in more and yeah. dig in further and talk to more people. Talk to people who've worked with them. Talk to people who used to work with them. All that type of stuff, and you'll start to build a really clear picture. And I think it's getting that clear picture that is really really key. Yeah, it's a it's a relationship that should have. A degree of consideration before you jump into it. So yeah, don't make a decision based on shiny numbers. Make it based on yeah. facts. And you can see patterns, can't you? In like communication or um, stages in the process, and you can kind of really kind of get a vibe for how people are and how much you trust them. You can feel them out a bit in yeah. the process. Yeah, definitely. I was telling you the window story. <laughs> Shall I tell the I window? I like the window, so I tell the Okay, window. so um, <laughs> me and my wife moved into our house uh, ages ago. And when we moved in, front house, front half of the house was the single glazed, mm-hmm. really windy, terrible. Uh, back half was uh, double glazed. But you know where they fill up with moisture and you're like... Yeah, not great. That, that's a bill that's going to happen at some point. So we knew we'd have to do the windows at some point. Uh, my wife's got taste I really want to get I want to see if we can get double glazed timber framed windows I was like oh, this sounds expensive um, okay let's get a quote see what mm. it is then we can then we can make a factual decision yeah um, got a company round and well the first thing was she opened the door and the sales guy said oh hi there is the man of the house in I want to bash my head against a wall. <laughs> so she's like, I, I wanted to punch the guy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't punch him. Tempting as uh, it was. Come in, started all the sales. Oh, just, look, just just tell me, like, first off, I need to know how much this is going to cost. Mm. £90,000. Those Not, better be some damn good windows. <laughs> £90,000. Uh, to which my wife's response was obviously to laugh and go, like, what are you... Like, what planet are you on? Um, and, then, oh, no, no, no we could, I'll tell you what, we'll do it for 50. I just wet 40k <laughs> off. That doesn't make any sense. It's like that. So you're like, well, look, if it is £90,000, it's £90,000. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do it. It's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, but if that's what it costs, that's what it costs, fair enough. But to then suddenly go down to fit, oh, no, don't worry, we'll do it for 50. Like, but what... Like, so why was it 90 then? And the just instantly, no trust. Trust is gone. Plus she wanted to punch the guy because... <laughs> Sexist. <laughs> I think it's just an extreme example of like, as you go through a, a sales process in any walk of life, and there's lots of communication back and forth, and you're talking about various different things, 
if someone's not being straight with you, you can start to see that pattern, can't you? Mm. And it just eradicates a bit of trust. And it's, you know, looking for patterns and how people communicate, you know, how quickly they communicate. Do they double back on things or... You can just start to get a sense and a flavour for things, can't you, quite quickly? That's why I think it's so important, where possible, to have pitch meetings in person. Oh. You learn so much about a person when you're there with them. 100. You see how people treat every member of your staff as they're coming in. Yeah. You see if they are, I don't know, pouring water for everybody else before they pour it for themselves. You see if, I don't know, there's just so many, there's so many little interactions little bits, yeah. that you can gauge oh these are kind of the kind of person person I want yeah. to work with yeah so have it in person as much as you can I mean face we, to face is so important yeah, isn't it yeah 100 to get that feel for somebody yeah definitely yeah. it's just not the same on zoom is it no and sometimes it has to be you know if you've got yeah. international clients it's what it is but where possible where possible try face and have to it face to face yeah. yeah perfect well hopefully uh everyone listening to that has um found it helpful Thank you, Abby. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please do come and subscribe. Join us for future episodes where we talk about the ins and outs of running paid media and driving improved conversions and revenue for your business. See you next time.